You are listening to MCC Votes and Seats, the podcast series of the Center for Political Science of Matthias Corvinus Collegium. We provide election insights with experts and politicians. Ladies and gentlemen, this time we are going to talk about the 24 April elections that were held in Slovenia to elect all members of the National Assembly, the so-called Dravnis Bor. We are privileged to have Dr. Miro Hacek from the University of Ljubljana as our guest expert who will help us analyze and understand the background and possible outcomes of the recent parliamentary ballot in Slovenia. Dr. Hacek serves as professor and head of the Department of Political Science at the Faculty of Social Sciences. His field of expertise includes political systems, public administration, comparative civil servant systems, comparative politics, and comparative local government, as well as political and administrative management. In 2018, he was elected as the president of Central European Political Science Association. He has published over 50 academic articles, 80 book chapters, and 24 books. Mr. Hacek, thank you very much for kindly accepting our invitation. It is our pleasure having you here in our podcast. Hi, same from my side. First, let me start with a short summary of the results of the legislative election. Mr. Robert Golob and his freedom movement defeated the ruling Slovenian Democratic Party, led by Prime Minister Janez Jansha. New Slovenia came in third, followed by the Social Democrats and the left, Levica in Slovenian, both of whom suffered significant defeats. Although both nationally and internationally, the election has been portrayed as a huge defeat for Mr. Jansha and his right-wing populism, being associated with former US President Donald Trump and Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban. The parties of former leftist Prime Ministers Marian Sharetz and Alenka Bratusek faced an even more serious collapse, falling short of the 4% electoral threshold, thus winning no seats in the new parliament. After the first election in 1992, this was the ninth legislative election in the independent Slovenia. The last three elections were all early elections, making this year's ballot the first planned one since 2008. The voter turnout was 70%, a significant rise compared to the previous two elections when such ratios stood only a bit above 50%. Dr. Hacek, what do you think could be the reason for such a record turnout? First reason is the fallout of the previous term when Slovenia had two governments first in the first two years, the minority left-center government led by Marian Šare, and in the last two years, first majority, but later also minority uh, government, right center government uh, led by, for the third time already, by uh, leader of the largest uh, right wing party in Slovenia, Slovenian Democratic Party. And uh, their reactions to those two governments, but mostly to the government of Janis Jansha, were quite intense in Slovenia, especially in uh, some of the Slovenian media and in civil society. So this is the first reason for the increased uh, voter turnout. The second reason is probably the engagement of the, let's say, small part uh, of the civil society that is more closely connected to the left-wing uh, political parties, namely, especially the Levica, the left political party, those are approximately 100 NGOs, more or less personally through the persons that lead those NGOs connected with the left, the Levica, and they have been very engaged into inviting and motivating people, especially young people, 
uh, to come to the elections and preferably, of course, vote against current government led by Yanis Yanchak. Both uh, minority MPs have a long tradition of cooperating with any government, really. So with left-wing or right-wing governments, there have uh, really never been the case that uh, either of the minority MPs, uh, so Italian or Hungarian minority MP, would be playing the opposition rule. They have always been very constructive, very cooperating with the governments. But as you know, uh, it is a part of Slovenian political system that those two MPs also hold the power of veto. With this power, they can veto any law that uh, goes uh, into the area of minority rights, either Italian or Hungarian, those two MPs have, let's say, a little bit more power than ordinary Slovenian 88 MPs. As the same two MPs have been elected on the 24th of April, so we will have exactly the same two people representing Italian and Hungarian minority also in the next four years. What about taking a closer look at the parties and the election coalitions that entered the parliament this time? Former state secretary and businessman Robert Golov's Green Liberalist Freedom Movement obtained 41 parliamentary seats by gathering 34.5% of the votes. Prime Minister Janez Janša's right-wing conservative Slovenian Democratic Party gained 27 mandates with its uh, 23.5%. Former Minister of Defense Matej Tonin's Christian Democratic New Slovenia has eight seats in the National Assembly. Journalist and documentary movie author Tanya Fajon's Social Democrats obtained seven mandates, while the Democratic Socialist Levica, in English the left, of the eco-socialist activist Luka Mesets has halved its parliamentary representation compared to the previous term and now has only five seats. Dr. Hacek, could you please give us a short introduction of the parties and lists that managed to enter the National Assembly? I will first correct you. The winning party of Robert Golob called the Freedom Movement is hard hardly a green liberal party. This is the bullshit, I'm sorry for the language that is traveling across European media. Nobody really knows what this party is about because their program was published only on the 21st of March. So exactly 33 days before the elections. And their current program was written by the focus groups. So it was not even written by the members of the party. It was written by unknown outside experts, let's say, or even ordinary citizens. And it's the collection of ideas, I would say. Uh, Some ideas are conservative, some are liberal, some are even uh, left-wing ideas, socialist ideas. It's the collection of over 100 ideas and program points. And I would describe this program not as liberal or green. I would describe it as very confusing. So this party has yet to form its identity. So we will probably only find out in the next few months uh, what this party will actually be. It will be a center liberal party or it will be more uh, inclined towards the left, um, which I think uh, it will be the case according to the people that have been elected into the national parliament, who are not all uh, political unknowns. Among those 41 MPs that have been elected on the list of freedom movement are some quite 
well-known faces that have been uh, MPs in various uh, left-wing parties before. Some have been state secretaries, some have been uh, directors of various administrative units, but most of them are totally unknown. Among them, probably most globally known would be Dejan Zavets, who was a famous Slovenian boxer. So we will see how this party will behave. They have announced they will form coalition with the former left-wing bloc called KUL. In Slovenian language, coalition of constitutional bow, let's say. So this was the opposition to the Jansha government that basically suffered even worse defeat than Janis uh, Jansha. And uh, two of those parties, namely List of Marian Šarec and uh, Party of Alenka Bratušek, failed to get 4% of electoral support and they uh, did not make it into the new legislative chamber. Two other parties, namely the left of Luka Mesec and Social Democrats of Tanja Fajon, have made it over 4%, but they have lost a lot of MPs. In total, uh, cool opposition parties had 43 MPs in the previous parliament. Now they are down to 12. So they have lost altogether 31 MPs, which is a huge number, of course. They will probably try to form uh, the coalition government together with the freedom movement, So those three parties are very likely to be members of the new government. Together, they would have 53 MPs, which is quite nice majority out of 90. Usually to those 53, then uh, both uh, minority MPs uh, are cooperating with. So usually this majority is then increased to 55. It will be more left-wing than liberal. Now it is entirely different debate why people have choose to vote for somebody who is basically unknown, has uh, almost no political program, no political experiences, etc., etc. Opposition parties will be only two. First, uh, it will be uh, the Slovenian Democratic Party led by uh, former Prime Minister Janis Janša. They will have 27 MPs. And uh, the second opposition party will be New Slovenia Christian Democrats led by Matej Tunin. And they have gained one MP. So they had seven. Now they will have eight MPs. And all other parties have not made it uh, over the 4% of electoral threshold. Some of them have been also uh, part of the ruling coalition party that won parliamentary elections in Slovenia in 2014, uh, that was uh, named after Miro Cerar once, but now it was renamed uh, as a party of modern center. This party did not make it over 4%. And also, after a long, long time, uh, the party of pensioners called Desus uh, in Slovenian language also did not make it even over 1%, let alone 4%. And we will have the least number of parties in the Slovenian parliament in Slovenian history, actually only five parliamentary parties. Let me go back to the almost unknown program and the currently shaping identity of uh, the freedom movement and the bullshit of the Western media, as you put it. Freedom movement, led by businessman Robert Golub, was founded in the spring of 2021. So his party is still quite new. So they won the last Slovenian parliamentary election. And even if the 55-year-old electrical engineer politician cannot form a government on his own, as you mentioned, the performance of the freedom movement is still quite impressive, as uh, since uh, 1992, no political formation has been able to get so many members in parliament in an independent and democratic election. The right-wing populist Slovenian Democratic Party, which won the last election, formed the coalition government with 25 members. So uh, talking about who won what, 
Galab's newly formed um, movement successfully collected the votes of the old left's electorate. The originally comedian Marian Sharetz served as head of uh, government from 2018 to 2020, while former head of the state budget directorate of the Ministry of Finance, Alenka Bratusek, led the Slovenian government from 2013 to 2014. However, both of them lost the majority of their sympathizers. On the other hand, resigning Prime Minister Janez Jansha has lost the election in a way that his party has strengthened over the previous term, although SDS fell short of the election this time. The party has won a number of votes similar to the previous elections, and the party has won three more parliamentary seats. So, in your opinion, which political formation or actor is the biggest winner, and which one is the biggest loser of the 2014 April election? The winner is the freedom movement of, uh, let's say, businessman Robert Golob, although he was the director of the state-owned company supplying electricity, which is basically a monopoly, so no competition. It's not very hard to lead such a company, which is a monopoly, on the market. And uh, his freedom movement that was founded officially in spring 2021, but under a different uh, president back then, and uh, Robert Golob took over the party just uh, six weeks prior to the elections. Even today, this freedom movement only has 500 members. So it's one of the smallest party in Slovenia, according to the membership. Uh, they have won almost 35% of the votes, which is similar result as Miro Cerar won in 2014. But because only five parties made it into the parliament, they have won significantly more MPs compared to Cerar, four more. This is the highest number of MPs that any political party really had in the Slovenian parliament. All the other political parties can be easily described as losers. The biggest party until now, a Slovenian Democratic Party of Janis Janša, is surely the loser because they did not capitalize on the results of the two-year government their coalition government. They did not succeed in winning the elections. They did not lose any MPs, but they also did not gain enough to form the next government. The biggest losers, without any doubt, are former opposition parties, the so-called cool coalition. Those parties, as I already mentioned, lost 31 MPs altogether. Thank you very much for your very detailed answer. Now let's turn to the campaign. What were the main messages of the parties in the campaign? And also, how do you see, did the social media advertisements prevail over traditional campaigning methods? The campaign in Slovenia was quite unusual, I would say. It started very, very slow and quiet. Uh, There were a lot of uh, TV events, a lot of uh, presentations of the programs, maybe even twice or three times more than in any of the previous elections. So voters had a lot of insight uh, who are they really electing, uh, what are those parties stand for, what are their ideas. But there was not a lot of debate, there was not a lot of focus on policies, rather most focus went on the debate about the achievements or non-achievements of Jansha government, about the policies and politics of Jansha government or even Jansha in person. Uh, there was a lot of debate about political history. So who did what in 2004 or 2008 or even before that, which is 
Slovenian tradition, so to talk about uh, history, but not about future. There was not a lot of debate about future goals, so uh, journalists almost did not ask Robert Golob about his uh, goals in the next mandate, so we don't know what are priorities of the next government, only very general ideas he presented that he would like to prepare for next COVID pandemic or prepare for the energy crisis, but we did not find out as voters what exactly he plans to do. And nobody bothered to ask about uh, the details. The campaign was also very biased. We could observe uh, a high level of polarization in the media. So most media decided to choose or support uh, one side or another side, but they did not declare this publicly. But it was evident from their uh, agenda, from their questioning uh, lines. Most media, of course, supported the left-wing side. Maybe some 30% of media decided to support uh, Jansha. So the campaign was certainly biased and uh, it did not favor the government. The campaign was also characterized by a lot of attention that went towards the civil society, but not as civil society as a whole, but just very small part of civil society, approximately 100 NGOs declared they are uh, actually the people or they are representing the whole people of Slovenia. Although there are almost 30,000 NGOs in Slovenia, only 100 of them decided they would actively uh, go into the electoral campaign, just on one side, uh, supporting the cool coalition and the freedom movement. And there were a lot of events, especially in Ljubljana, that uh, received a lot of media attention. The most notorious one was the event that happened a week before the elections where so-called NGOs, aka the people, had the chance to ask questions to the political parties they were supporting and there were nine political parties there. How did the war in Ukraine and the COVID crisis and the European Recovery and Resilience Facility appear in the campaign? Oh, the COVID crisis had a huge impact on the campaign because it made the Yansha government very unpopular. Not during the campaign, but uh, already before in 2020 and 2021, when the coalition parties of the time, so-called cool coalition, seized the opportunity and criticized the government that uh, they are basically limiting the rights, basic human rights of the people. They are forcing people to wear masks. Later, the government was accused that they are forcing people to get the vaccine. But basically, the government was not doing anything very different compared to other European Union governments. The difference in Slovenia was that our opposition seized the moment and they have tried to capitalize on the unsatisfaction towards the government and their COVID strategy. The people were very unhappy with the government because this was supported by the mainstream media, this was supported by the left-wing opposition, and even some coalition parties invested their own money into anti-campaign, so they tried to do campaign uh, and ask people not to wear masks and ask uh, people not to send their children into schools with masks. 
in Slovenia, political parties supported basically conspiracy theories. So uh, anything that went against the government basically was supported by the cool uh, coalition. And this is also, I think, one of the reasons they have lost those elections as they were really pay- playing the most destructive opposition in Slovenian history of last 30 years. I suggest moving to the scandals now. In uh, 2021, there were mounting calls for an early election due to the government's handling of the epidemic, as we already addressed. Also, uh, due to the perceived undermining of the rule of law from the part of the government. Dr. Hacek, in your view, what exactly were those rule of law issues that gave rise to heavy criticism for the government from both national and international actors? If we would like to evaluate why the government was uh, target of the rule of law accusations, we would have to seek the insight into internal Slovenian politics. Even before the Janša government was elected in the parliament, the protests started in Slovenia. So we, we didn't even have the government, but there were already protests against the government that didn't even exist at the time. Obviously, in Slovenia, it's very hard for the part of the society to accept that there can also be a right-wing government or the government that is actually not entirely left-wing. When we have the situation with the center-right governments, there is always very strong opposition movements fueled by the NGOs and the mainstream media and supported by the part of academia that usually results in uh, scandals, the protests, and the calls for resignation. And usually such uh, central rights governments are always accused of not being democratic and not being uh, supportive towards the rule of law and similar bullshit. But at the same time, it should be said that uh, the level of freedoms that we enjoyed during the Yansha government were really unprecedented. So people could protest in the middle of the pandemics without any restrictions. They did not oblige to the legislation. All the gatherings should be announced. They were not. Not even one of those 100 that then happened. And nothing happened really to those people. People gathered, sometimes more than 10,000, standing close together, 20 centimeters from one another, not obliging any rules that government, uh, government adopted to fight the COVID disease. So this is why Slovenia did quite poorly with COVID because the government was really undermined from the day one. I'm quite comfortable to say that their level of the democracy that we enjoyed or the freedoms that we enjoyed in the last two years was really unparalleled and that those freedoms will diminish now when the freedom movement actually won the elections. But it should be said at the same time that the government was also not very handy doing their governance. They decided uh, not to follow legislation but they were warned that uh, the law that was adopted for the infectious diseases more than 20 years ago is not really a very good law. 
when it comes to COVID and that this old law from 1990s should be uh, rewritten. But the government decided not to do that because they did not have enough support in the parliament. Rather than that, they decided to rule with the decrees and they adopted a series of decrees that were later found to be unconstitutional by the constitutional court. They could have uh, listened to the legislation experts and there would be none such allegations, which were actually correct. And these were the allegations that the government is undermining the rule of law, which was technically correct. But uh, at the time, there was only two choices to govern with the decrees or to resign, basically. There were some other scandals and stories. For instance, the story with STA, so Slovenian National Press Agency, that the government had a very long battle with uh, STA or to say it more correctly with the director of STA over the interpretation of the legislation the STA should follow. And uh, in the meantime, the government cancelled the funding of STA and there was a huge fight that also spilled all the way to Brussels and Slovenia was warned to be careful with the media and Jansha was accused to be a dictator who is basically hating all the media. But uh, this can also be explained that uh, both sides did not agree how to implement uh, the legislation. And uh, once the director resigned on its own uh, and the new director came into power, uh, the same agreement could be adopted in less than a week. I see. Maybe both the former governing party and its opposition have learned their lessons. But going back to the allegations and the unprecedented levels of freedoms and democracy during the Jansha government, as you put it, both Mr. Jansha and Mr. Golob found themselves under investigation during the campaign. The Commission for the Prevention of Corruption announced that no violations had been discovered in relation to Prime Minister Janez Janša's vacations with some well-known businessmen and uh, that the investigation had been halted. On the other hand, Mr. Robert Golob found himself under police investigation after he was accused of receiving too high salary as a CEO of the state-owned GEN company uh, and therefore violating the act that regulates the salaries of management bodies of state-owned companies. How did these investigations end and how did such procedures resonate among the Slovenian electorate? Janis Janša is always under some investigation by somebody. So he always receives a lot of attention by the various institutions, including the Court of Audit, including the Anti-Corruption Commission, etc., etc. On the other side, Robert Golob was basically unknown to most Slovenian voters until a few months ago, when the government decided not to extend his term as the CEO of of Gen E, the company that sells electricity from nuclear plant Krško for the fourth time. So uh, his term ended basically. He was not deposed or anything. The government just not agreed to give him another five years as the CEO of this state-owned company. And he was basically so angry and hurt by this decision that he decided to get his vengeance and go into the politics. <laughs> and he was very well supported with this decision by the mayor of Ljubljana, Zoran Jankovic. Ten years ago, Robert Golob was the vice president of at the 
time ruling party called Positive Slovenia that was led by Zoran Janković in 2011, also the winner of 2011 legislative elections in Slovenia. So Robert Golob is not entirely political unknown. He has the position in one of the biggest parties in Slovenian history, but his position was very short one. And later he went into the state economy, let's say, he is still under investigation because he basically paid himself probably twice as many money for the monthly wages as he should, according to the valid legislation called Lahovnik legislation for CEOs of state-owned company that uh, now have limited uh, monthly earnings that should not exceed uh, 12,000 and so, but Robert Golob earned a lot more. He is also under international investigation because of his company in Montenegro, an accusation of money laundering being uh, under investigation by Interpol. At least this was reported during the electoral campaign by Slovenian media. It could very well be that uh, those stories will uh, lead to some interesting conclusions in the next weeks or months, and Robert Golob would end his political career be- career before it started basically and there are some rumors that this might be the case it might be the scenario that the freedom movement would be taken over by one of the vice presidents and robert gorob would be forced to resign or to move behind the curtains if those uh, investigations could progress in unfavorable way for robert gorob you mentioned that the media campaign was quite biased. The state broadcaster RTV uh, Slovenia has denied, for example, the freedom movement's request to be recognized as a parliamentary party. The political formation called Our Country, on the other hand, has been recognized by RTV Slovenia as a parliamentary party, allowing it to participate in electoral debates alongside other parliamentary actors. RTV Slovenia recognized Our Country as the successor to the Democratic Party of Pension of Slovenia, abbreviated as DSUS, because its president, Alexandra Pivets, was elected president of DSUS, but then resigned and founded a new party, which was joined by several former members of the old party. According to RTV Slovenia, the situation was similar to that of the Alenka Bratusek alliance. However, the freedom movement of Mr. Golob was granted parliamentary status after it won a lawsuit against RTV Slovenia for political discrimination. Can we assume that the state broadcaster tried to impede Mr. Gallup's campaign? Probably. It's always a very interesting soap opera with RTV Slovenia, who they grant the status of parliamentary party and who not. Because if you are granted the status of parliamentary party, then you are invited to the most well-covered uh, uh, pre-electoral events and debates that are basically viewed by the most voters. But uh, the decision should be really very simple. Uh, the parliamentary parties were once those parties that had elected MPs into the parliament in the previous term. But now it was the soap opera because the current leadership of uh, TV Slovenia decided to grant the status of parliamentary party to one party that was not elected four years ago and not to other party that was also not elected. Why is this problem arises? Because uh, there are MPs that are leaving their parties in the middle of the term and they are basically going into some other non-parliamentary parties. And this was the case with national 
Russia Dejela, our country, that basically attracted one MP from uh, Party of Modern Center. And uh, this MP uh, lady decided to go into the non-parliamentary party, Nasha Dejela, our country. And then uh, RTV uh, TV Slovenia decided to grant them the status of uh, parliamentary party. But now, uh, after the freedom movement appealed to the courts, at least now the situation is very clear. Whoever has at least one MP on the list is considered a parliamentary party. Another episode in the Slovenian political soap opera was a quite interesting one. Following the decision of the European Court of Human Rights confirming Romania's decision to refuse to register a political party that did not distance itself from the former communist regime, Vili Kovacevic asked the Constitutional Court in Slovenia to decide on the constitutionality of the program and actions of the Levica Party and the Social Democrats. The latter is the legal successor of the League of Communists of Slovenia. At the end, the Constitutional Court rejected Vili Kovacevic's proposal as groundless However, I'd be really happy to know how such action resonated in the Slovenian society. I would say it really did not resonate in Slovenian society because it happened at the start of a pre-electoral campaign and the media did not report a lot about it. So it was expected decision because it was probably not articulated very well. The action by Vili Kovacic, who is sometimes uh, believed to be connected with the largest uh, party of the time, Slovenian Democratic Party, but uh, Vili Kovacic also acted in the history against Slovenian uh, Democratic Party. So it is really individual who likes to go against the authority, whoever the authority is. As the last question, Dr. Hacek, in your opinion, what will be the main directions of the freedom movement's coalition government in terms of uh, domestic and foreign policies? If I would know that, I would be very rich probably <laughs> right now because I would wage on it. Nobody knows really because the coalition negotiations started only today on the 3rd of May between the freedom movement and uh, both uh, surviving parties from the cool opposition, namely Social Democrats and the left, the Levica, and uh, they have had their first uh, meeting after the elections today, and they declared that the meeting was very successful, and they are planning to form the government until the 3rd of June, which is basically impossible if they would follow the procedures that are written in the constitution, but nobody probably informed Mr. Golob what procedures are when forming uh, the government, but he will be informed in the next few weeks. But I expect that we could have the new government in the mid uh, of June. This is really a two-stage process in Slovenia, we will have the first session of the new parliament on the 13th of May. Then the MP groups have to form. And after the consultation with all the groups in the parliament, the president of the republic has to nominate somebody as the candidate for the next prime minister. And in the first round, the parliament is electing the next prime minister. And then the next prime minister has the 15 days to propose the members of the government to the parliament. And then the parliament also has to vote on each member of the new government. So it's quite long and 
stressful process. Their first moves would be probably the support of the infamous law that was written by the civil society to overturn some of the most notorious decisions of the Yansha government. This was uh, proclaimed and this was one of the main points of freedom movement during the electoral campaign. So they would support the law that is already proposed and it's already written by the civil society. It's quite short law that would overturn 13, I think, uh, of the most infamous uh, decisions of the Yansha government. For instance, uh, they would like to uh, overturn some decisions made in the parliament regarding the functioning of the school boards, uh, regarding the funding of the media and so on. So this would be probably their first move. Uh, Their second move would be human resources management. So they would uh, probably remove a number of uh, political appointees from the Yansha government, as every government has done in the last 30 years in Slovenia. But it's usually reported that only Yansha is doing this, but it's not true. There are almost 200 such positions in the Slovenian governments that should be occupied by the experts, but usually are occupied by a right color of political experts, so to say. As Tania Fayon is announced to be Minister of Foreign Affairs, I would expect that there will be some difference in the foreign policy of Slovenia. There will be some shifts. Yanis Yansha was very pro-Ukrainian, very anti-Russian in the Russian-Ukrainian war. I'm expecting there will be shift here because new government would be very much less Ukrainian friendly and very much more let's say, at least understanding towards the Russian positions. So the Russia has gained another uh, ally in the European Union. I would go so far and say, I think now also Slovenia would be more inclined, at least towards Russian positions. As Tania Fajon has already said, that we should remain neutral in this conflict and have understanding for both sides. Uh, this is very much different from the position that Janis Janša had uh, during his government. There will be some shifts also in the foreign policy. Robert Golob already announced that there will be a shift away from Visegrad group countries, so away from supporting Polish or Hungarian positions and shift towards the Western European countries. But the situation with the neighboring countries, especially Croatia, will surely not be so positive as it was during the last two years because Janša and Plenković, Croatian Prime Minister, really had a very positive relations and the relationship between the both countries were at the best probably during the last two years compared to two decades before that. And I can see some regress in this field. So those relations could become a little bit colder. It was very interesting what you said about Slovenia's possible shift in terms of foreign policy directions as far as uh, the EU and V4 relations uh, are considered or the position towards the war in Ukraine is concerned. Still, it is 
quite uncertain what are the main goals of the freedom movement and Mr. Golob besides providing a change in, in Slovenian politics. However, we will keep an eye on Ljubljana for sure. Dear listeners, you have been listening to the MCC Votes and Seats podcast edition on the Slovenian legislative election. Thank you very much for your kind attention. Dear Miro Hacek from the University of Ljubljana, thank you very much for sharing your most appreciated views and opinion about the 24 April parliamentary election and its background and possible outcomes. It was an honor talking to you. In the hope that we can continue our professional collaboration in future, I wish you all good luck for your future endeavors. Goodbye. Goodbye.